It's the Eastern Insider Podcast with your hosts, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. It's green and white, so let's take flight because it's Dr. Seuss's birthday and another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. I'm Alex Jewell flying solo this week because my co-host Greg Steiner is literally about to fly back from Port Charlotte. He was joining our baseball team down at the Snowbird Classic this past week. We hope that Greg soaked up the sun for all of us because, well, it's a little bit gray and rainy here up in Michigan, but, and we hope it'll be a good one here in Ypsilanti, a great show ahead for you. But first, let's take a look back at last week. It was a good week for the Eagles, both at home and abroad. Women's basketball and men's basketball, both picking up wins at the convocation on Saturday. Women beat Toledo 64-46, and Central Michigan was the victim for the men's basketball team 67-63. Both teams playing well, heading into the last week of the regular season. And away from Ypsilanti, women's track won the MAC Indoor Championship. That's their seventh all-time and the 11th championship overall for Sioux Parks. Men's track finished second at the event that took place in Akron, Ohio. And women's swim was on the road for their MAC championships in Buffalo. They placed third in Derek Perkins' first year at the helm of the green and white. Gymnastics went down to Colorado Springs and dominated the Air Force Academy in their event, and tennis picked up their fourth straight win. They're now 9-6 and six on the season as they closed out their spring break trip. Owen Rowing, they went down to the heart of Dixie, Alabama, and finished with three top three finishes to close out a great week for the green and white. So after another great week for Eastern Michigan Athletics, well, we'll rewind and try to do it all again because it's another chock full edition of the Eastern Insider and it's another week of great athletics on and off the field for Eastern Michigan. Men's and women's golf both down in Bluffton, South Carolina right now. Men are taking place at the Colton River Collegiate Challenge. That's hosted by Michigan State and the women are playing in the Low Country Invitational. They'll both try to pick up wins over the next couple of days. Western Michigan, the opponent for Eastern Michigan men's basketball tomorrow. They'll try to go to Kalamazoo to get the season sweep over Steve Hawkins and the Broncos before women's basketball plays on Wednesday, their final home game, and they'll also face the Broncos women's basketball right on the cusp of a bye to the Mid-American Conference Tournament second round, and you'll hear from Fred Castro later on the show about what his team needs to do on Wednesday to be able to accomplish that. No action on Thursday will let you take a breather as basketball really heats up heading into March Madness, and then on Friday, we're back at it. If you haven't gotten a chance to see the women's tennis team yet, they're finally in action at home. Jason Wiseman and crew have won four straight matches, and they'll take on Oakland at the Chippewa Club at 12 noon. Baseball also down in Cincinnati. They've got the Bearcats for a three-game series this weekend, trying to get back on track after a little bit of a slow start to the season, but nonetheless, great talent there with the baseball team, and they'll try to notch a couple of wins. And then men's basketball on Friday night in the nightcap. Well, they finish their regular season with a trip just over the border to Toledo. They'll try to beat Todd Kowalczyk and company for the second time this season. They got them up here at the Convocation Center, and they'll get one more matchup. And oh, it is a big matchup because the men's basketball team still playing with a chance to host a first round Mid American Conference tournament game. And wouldn't that be the best situation for all of us? Of course, one more game to see Bubukar Torre and the rest of the group at the Convocation Center. So if you can make it down just across the borders to Toledo, maybe hit up Tony Paco's first or Chick fil A. They've got that down there too. And I know Greg back home would be impressed if you went to Krispy Kreme. He's a big fan. But try to get down there and support them. 
them. I know a lot of our fans are great at making the trip, and I know Coach Murphy and the team would certainly appreciate that. And don't forget, gymnastics also on the road on Saturday. They're coming off a massive win at Air Force that we told you about a little bit earlier, and they're heading up to Michigan State to face off with the Spartans. Always an easy drive if you're able to go support the team there, and baseball will wrap it up on Sunday to try to get that series win over Cincinnati. So, with all that in store, why don't we get you right into the action? We've got three great interviews for you today, and although Greg wasn't here for the Open, he's doing two of them for me, so you'll get to hear a little bit of his voice. I know that you really quick play to hear him and just kind of tolerate me, and I'm sorry about that because I'm really just blasting your airwaves today. But first up, you will hear me because it's me that sat down with Fred Castro, the fourth-year head coach of the women's basketball team, as I alluded to earlier. Nine conference wins in regular season this year. That's the most they've ever had under him, and they're trying to get their first first round by in the Mid-American Conference Tournament since 2011-2012. Certainly have a chance to do that this weekend, but then we'll flip the page to football. Can you believe it? Spring football right around the corner. I know everybody's amped up to see what Chris Creighton and the Eagles will have in store this year, as am I. And Greg sat down with two of their very new assistant coaches, Brandon Blaney. He just comes right down the road from the University of Michigan, obviously a very successful program. He'll coach the tight ends, and Greg got to catch up with him. And then a familiar face for those of you that remember Mike Pike. Well, he's the all-time leader in terms of quarterbacking the ball. At Drake, he played for Coach Creighton, was recruited by Coach Creighton. And then he was a graduate assistant here for Coach Creighton. Well, now he's back full-time. He spent the last year at Indiana University that just came off a great season in their own right. And now he's ready to take on the position group of quarterbacks by himself, of course, replacing Aaron Keane. So we've got all that for you. Like I said, it's a chock-full show. There's tons of great things going on at Eastern Michigan. So stay tuned right now because right after the break we've got the eastern insider podcast rolling on joined now on the eastern insider by head women's basketball coach fred castro and coach before we get into talking about cleveland and the week that is to come in the mid-american conference tournament I've got to ask you about one of your star players, Courtney Lewis, on Saturday. It took her until the third quarter. She hit a nice, long, deep three, and that put her over the 1,000-point mark for her career. Only her third year here at Eastern, and she's just the 23rd player of all time in this program to hit that mark. Just a few comments from you on Courtney and, and your time being able to coach her here. Yeah, just really uh, excited for her, proud of her. She works incredibly hard, and and she cares a great deal. I thought it was fitting that she hit a three uh, to hit a thousand points. Um, you know, she she made an impact a, as a freshman immediately, and she's continued to do so. Uh, she's one of the more proven scores on our roster, and uh, you know we're, we're going to continue to need her point production moving forward. But uh, she's really grown as a player, and uh, the thousand point mark is just a small snippet of what she's really meant to us and our program as a whole. Well, and for just for those that are at home and maybe haven't seen Courtney play as much or haven't followed her stats, she's just a junior, so already over the thousand point mark. The all-time leader at Eastern just did about 1,600, so she may not get there, but certainly has a chance over the next year and the rest of this season, depending on how long the tournament run goes this year, to, to get up into that top 10 area and really cement herself as one of the best basketball players to ever do it in the green and white. And if you haven't had a chance, Coach Castro and the rest of his staff put together a very nice tribute video for her that played 
here at the convocation center when she hit that thousand point mark. I was clenching my heart because she needed 11 and she got to 12. So she got it for the game, but certainly a great accomplishment for her. And we congratulate Courtney on that. Now, coach, we flip to a topic that's just as exciting, although at this time of the year, a little bit, uh, a lot of energy coming about because it's almost time for March Madness, as we call it. Last week of the regular season here, your team is currently in the five spot as it pertains to overall seeding in the MAC tournament, but you have a great chance to get to that four spot and get an automatic buy to Cleveland. If you do that, it'd be the first time that Eastern's been able to secure a first round buy since 2011 2012. When you think about your current position right now, what is it over the next week that you need to do as a team to get yourself to Cleveland? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, continue to keep getting healthy is a big thing for us. Um, And, you know, just fine tuning what we do and how we are. You know, I was really pleased with our defensive effort um, this weekend against Toledo. I thought we did some. Uh, our attention to detail was great. Um, so those are things that, as, as a coach, um, make you happy. And then offensively, we really took some strides. Uh, our balance scoring was really good, something that, you know, we just need to continue to be more consistent with as we approach um, March. You know, so much about March has to do with that momentum and energy, and uh, we control that. So as we continue moving forward, we want to continue developing um, that mojo, if you will, uh, because, you know, feeling good and playing good uh, in March is is everything. Well, there's going to be games coming up, whether it's these last couple of games in the regular season, the games in Cleveland, hopefully they're on after that, where you're going to have a, a lot of sets of eyes on this team that maybe haven't been able to watch Eastern Michigan women's basketball throughout the regular season. A lot of people around the conference and the region tuning in to see you guys over the next couple of weeks. What are people going to expect or what should they expect to see with an Eastern Michigan basketball team? And why are you guys real contenders this year? Yeah, I think uh, probably the thing that jumps out at the most is, you know, we've got a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. We do have some size and, uh, you know, we're a defensive minded team that, you know, takes great pride and imposing uh, our defensive style on the other offense. Um, the other thing is, you know, when we can get out and transition, uh, we're really good. Uh, when we can get second chance opportunities, when we can attack the rim, we're really tough to beat. You know, now uh, that being said, uh, as conference play and conference tournament, games tend to slow down a little bit more. They become a little bit more um stagnant if you will so we're going to need to be good at executing our half court sets and being good in the last two minutes of game so I think when you watch us hopefully you see that we're a tough-minded team uh, that shares the ball on offense and uh, we play an exciting brand of basketball I think it's easy for for me and certainly coaches and a lot of fans to get a little revved up maybe a few days too early before tournament play starts but the fact of the matter is that you guys are going to have to win a couple of games here or, or at least one of your next two games in the regular season to get that buy into Cleveland. And that'll be no easy task because first up on Wednesday, you get to see Western Michigan for, of course, Shane Klipfel, the longtime assistant here at Eastern Michigan, a graduate mm-hmm. of Eastern Michigan. And I know that you have a lot of respect for that program. What's it going to take to get that win over Western Michigan on Wednesday? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be less a basketball game and more a a wrestling match because there's a lot at stake for both teams. Uh, we did play 
well enough to win. Uh, I wouldn't say we played 40 minutes of basketball at Western, but we showed a lot of grit and toughness and tenacity to pull out a, a tough win. They were playing really, really good basketball. So we've got our work cut out. But uh, regardless of that, you know, it, at this time of year, it's so much less about the other team and more about us and what we do and what makes us click. And uh, that that's our sole emphasis at this time. Well, and that's, let's talk a little bit more about your team specifically because you know, it's kind of a taboo in basketball when you have a younger team to maybe shy away from talking about that. But that's not how you've been this whole season. You've addressed the fact that maybe some girls on the court that are young by class but definitely have a lot more of in-game experience than people think. So when you are thinking about your team that maybe doesn't have a ton of tournament experience, though, what is it about your girls in the locker room that you're, makes you confident that they're going to be able to rise to the occasion in these tight games and, and get the job done? I think first and foremost is the belief. Um, I think our kids know uh, what makes us good, uh, what makes us tough to beat. And then uh, just to be frank, I I think we have some really good players. I mean, Ariana Combs is as good a guard and player as there is in the league, if not the best player in the league. Um, Jenna Anacarico has had some games as of late where she's been just phenomenal. Um, just last game, you know, Corian Cardwell scores 19. She was preseason first team all conference. So she's very capable. And we just got done talking about Courtney Lewis uh, reaching her thousand point um, milestone. And that still leaves Juanita Augusto, um, who who you just don't see all the little things she does, but she's just a winner. So, you know, those are things that, you know, you add an autumn Hudson, a Ray, uh, a Ray, KJ, Nat, we have so many pieces that can help us uh, as part of the puzzle. And, and that's what gives us confidence and a true belief that we can do something special in March. Well, yeah. And I know that you and I talk about the statistics all the time. For those of you listening that maybe don't know, we talked about Ariana Combs. 20 straight games now that she's scored in double figures. That's every game she's played in this year. It's second, uh, the second best streak in the conference, only behind CMU's Michaela Kelly. Mm-hmm. And the only reason she hasn't tied her is because she's played in less games. You talked about Juanita Augusto. She's had two games in her last three where she's pulled down 12 rebounds. That's been a team lead in both the games. Those are both career highs. And then you run down the list like we just talked about, Courtney with her 1,000 points, and it goes on and on and on, certainly playing great basketball right now. And, Coach, you have one home game left. We talked about it on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So for those that are listening right now, just maybe give them a message about how important it is that they come out and support and and what it would mean for your girls to be able to see that support heading into Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's really simple. When we've had great crowds here, you know, it just gives us more juice, uh, more pep in our step. Are you know, like most teams, our kids uh, really enjoy that and appreciate the 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 support, and uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, I'm convinced when the crowd is in here, we're ten points better. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm you're gonna have to work really hard to convince me otherwise. But everybody matters, you know. I think our band on the baseline has been phenomenal. I hear our student section. I hear those courtside um, season ticket holders yelling at the ref. So I, I love every bit of it. And and more importantly, our players, uh, you know, these games come down to the last two minutes. And the team that has just a little bit more juice, a little bit more energy, tends to make the winning play. And uh, that's where our fans and our home court advantage come into play. 
coached two big ones this week against two in-state rivals, Western on Wednesday, then you have to go to Central on Saturday. We certainly wish you the best of luck in those games. And let's get that first round by and get a few extra days in Cleveland. What do you say? We're doing everything we can. That's the goal, 2-0 this week. Well, he's Fred Castro. I'm Alex Jewell, and this is the Eastern Insider Podcast. More right after this. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. Never too early to start thinking about football season, and it is quickly approaching. The spring campaign will be upon us soon enough. As we approach 2020, it will be a first-year assistant on the sideline for Eastern Michigan. That's Brandon Blaney as he joins us on the podcast. First off, welcome to Eastern Michigan. Congratulations on your hire, and what a swell move it is to be in a situation to come to a program and not have to move as you make the trip down from the University of Michigan. You know, the beauty of it is is, is being a an assistant coach, whether you're in college, professional football, or even high school football, is a nomadic uh, uh, lifestyle. Uh, it's kind of nice to be able to put some roots down. It is. For you, you've been a lot of places. 24 years you've been an assistant coach, most recently down the road at U of M. In the last two years, you've been a senior offensive analyst. In a lot of ways, people might not know what that is because there aren't so many analyst roles at the, the group of five level. But what was kind of your, your role over at U of M? I think as, a, as an offensive analyst, uh, your job is to really dig down deep into the um, the bones of, of what an offense does and really get an idea of what works, what doesn't, and uh, really dig into the uh, into the game planning of, of other teams in terms of uh, determining what they do off- defensively in my case and um, get a good feel for what a team has a history of doing. One of the changes, though, that you don't have is that on-the-field coaching when it comes to game day, how refreshing is it to be back in a role where you're going to be on the sideline or in the press box, whichever it ends up being, interacting with those student-athletes on a game day role? Looking forward to that. Historically, I've been up in the press box. Uh, it helps me be able to see things a little bit better. For some reason, a five foot nine football coach that has an offensive line background, it's, it's, it can be a little difficult to be down on the ground level in front of around all the people that are much taller than you. Speaking of your background, I was reading a story and leading up to this interview that you were coming out of high school. You had a family friend email the staff at Youngstown State and say, or at the time it may not even been email or, or make a phone call on your behalf saying you were coming to Youngstown, you were interested in coaching and kind of walk us through how that progression happened coming out of high school in Missouri and ending up in Northeast Ohio. Well, my father was a high school football coach and then later uh, a high school principal. The way everything got rolling was that for some reason there wasn't a large demand for a, a center and nose guard from a small town in Missouri that was five foot nine, 190 pounds and a club foot. Knew that I wanted to get into coaching, knew that the only way that I was going to ever have a shot at, at coaching college or the NFL was to work my way up in a football program. And interestingly enough, uh, the first opportunity that I had was at the University of Kansas uh, as an equipment manager. And a friend of my family's had a good friend 
that had had a Youngstown connection that was a defensive backs coach in 1994 at the University of Kansas. And I got hooked up with him and uh, had a chance to, to work in the program. Uh, that defensive backs coach was a gentleman named uh, Mark D'Antonio. And uh, Mark left Kansas after a year and uh, went on to bigger and better things. And uh, after that time, I knew that I wanted to get into coaching and actually coach. And that opportunity was to have to go to a smaller college and try to work my way up. Had a chance to work at Youngstown State as a, as a student assistant. And I remember my first uh, task there at Youngstown was to uh, take a welcome mat and clean it up with soap and then go make copies. And for some reason, they couldn't get rid of me. So they gave me more responsibilities. That's quite, quite welcome at making copies. <laughs> Little did you know, a few years later, it would lead you to a national title with the Penguins and then propel you on to a, a graduate role with uh, Bob Stoops at Oklahoma, where you were able to win another national title. What were those moments like winning titles with really two of the all-time greats in the coaching profession? I think the biggest thing about having those experiences of making title runs or making runs into the playoffs or making a, a run into a, a, a what used to be the BCS bowl games, the common thread was not necessarily realizing that you were in the run. That was something that that you looked back on after the season and and said, wow, we actually did that. Uh, when you're in the when you're in that run, when you're in that hunt, it's a week to week existence. And it's a it's a uh, a schedule that that is set in stone during the course of the week, and you just live in those twenty four hour cycles, and they start piling up week after week. And um, you win games; it's great. Go into that locker room, you celebrate, you get back on that bus, you get back on that plane, and all you can think about is what the next task is going to be. And um, the wins keep piling up, and um, the chase is is much much more of a fun experience than than the destination sometimes. I think I've heard that a little bit uh, before. Coach Creighton's famous philosophy is 1-0 each week and flush it after uh, either a good win or a good loss. So uh, I feel like you've got that before from a man who uh, may look a lot like Coach Creighton. Coach Creighton and Jim Trestle have very similar situations and, and climbs through the, the coaching ranks. What have you kind of seen of, of Coach Creighton? I know you two, this is the first time you've worked together, but you've certainly followed each other and, and kept in contact throughout your coaching careers. I think the biggest thing that, that they have in common is that they genuinely care about every individual that is in their organization. When you are speaking with either Coach Creighton or Coach Trestle, Regardless of, of what your job is or regardless of, of what organization you're part of, when you're talking to that person, you are the most important person at that moment. When you look at your coaching philosophy and style, how would you kind of characterize it as, as a fan uh, watching from the stands and, and kind of what's the, the mentality or, or mindset that you want your, your players to have on the field? That's a good question. Um, I think the biggest thing is what you don't necessarily see on game day. That's the biggest thing on college football, professional football, any level of football is you've got that 60 minutes or those three hours with the, with the breaks right there where a person puts on those, those game jerseys and uh, goes out and shows the work that they put in. And that's what the world sees. And the reality of it is, 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 
coaching and, and playing this game requires a year round um, routine of, of practice and, and development. And um, really the, 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 the thing about achieving high things, maybe not even necessarily just in football, but in life in general is not the big competitions, the day when everybody's watching you. It's really doing the ordinary things extraordinarily well, as, as somebody once said. And, um, you know, that's what I bring to the table is, is a consistency on an approach to preparation, uh, to teaching, to developing and recruiting talent. Final moments here with EMU's newest assistant coach, Brandon Blaney. They will coach the tight ends for Eastern Michigan in 2020. You look at your coaching career. You've spent a lot of time both in the college ranks and the NFL ranks. What's the biggest difference that a student athlete has to make going from that Saturday competition to Sunday? It's pretty simple. Um, it, it goes from being a college athlete to being a professional. And uh, professional football, professional sports is, is a job. And um, what what would be uh, a bad practice might get you benched in college, but the reality of it is sometimes a bad practice, I've seen that happen, or, or a bad game can cost you your job. And um, that urgency uh, that you have to have professionally in the National Football League as a player and even as a coach is is something that that is every single day. And I think don't think a lot of people understand that until they they experience that. And then the other thing is the the development of analytics and breaking down of video and plays. I know when I was in your office before this interview, you were already had tape out. You were going through looking at people. How do you evaluate what you see on tape versus what you see on the field? Because sometimes they don't always translate, and sometimes you have to to, to bring that out of a player as well, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to evaluating, um, you know, college football is a very different beast than a lot of other sports. Um, you know, when a lot of people make parallels to, to basketball recruiting and football recruiting, and, and really those are two different things in some regards. I think in basketball, uh, the skills that are required to play the game at a high level are usually pretty uh, well out there at a younger age as opposed to, to college football, where uh, a person that's that's 14 or 15 um, that might be an offensive tackle may not be an offensive tackle at that position. And they certainly aren't necessarily 315 pounds normally uh, at that age. So there's, there's a level of projection that you have to do uh, in your evaluation, meaning that you may go into a school, you might see a, a defensive end and that person is 245 pounds. Next thing you know, that that person is uh, four years later, an offensive lineman. Great case in point. Uh, my time at Kansas, uh, we had a number of guys drafted or developed into NFL players. And um, our left tackles there at Kansas at the time was a, Adrian Jones was a tight end in high school at a 210 pounds. I uh, was already in the program when I got there. Um, he was followed by Anthony Collins out of Beaumont, Texas. And, and Anthony was a first-year defensive end uh, in high school at the time and uh, was probably about 245 pounds, never played offensive tackle. Um, and then he was followed by uh, Tanner Hawkinson out of McPherson, Kansas, that I recruited, uh, that was uh, six foot 
five, 240 pound tight end that never ever was in a three point stance. He was split out the entire time. All of those guys had large frames. All of them were uh, great body control. The way maturity goes and physical development in the weight room and, and with diet, uh, all managed to be, uh, you know, within three years of entering that program, well within 300 pounds. Yeah, I could say even even look a little closer to home, Eastern Michigan, Max Crosby finishes the defensive rookie of the year, runner-up this year at the NFL. He came in at, at 230 pounds when I looked back at our roster the other day, uh, and now he's pushing almost 270. Uh, and just a different story and a different body, how you change your body over time. It's amazing. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the thing about football that makes it different is, is there's so much development that has to happen at from age 17 to age 19 and 20. Not only just physical maturity, but just the, the adding of strength. Uh, this game is, is a very highly physical physical development uh, game and, and also mental development mm-hmm. for that matter too. Uh, maybe more so than, than any other sport that's out there right now. Coach, I can't appreciate you, your time and, and your availability. Uh, welcome to Ypsilanti and, and congratulations on the hire. Thank you very much. I can't wait to, to get out there on Saturdays and, and uh, be part of this program. We continue our series getting to know the newest Eastern Michigan football assistant coaches. This week, Mike Piatowski joins us, returning back to Eastern Michigan after a stay at Indiana. How good does it feel to come back to a place that you'd already been? Oh, it's it's awesome. Uh, you know, just knowing most of the staff and then being familiar with where I'm at and coming to a brand new facility is is even better. So it's been a great uh Great, great return. Yeah, you talk about the new facility. When you left, it was just a, a kind of still a plan. Everything yep. was starting to go that way. And now a reality when you walk inside, how much different is it than what you expected it maybe to be? Uh, it's incredible. You know, when I left, like you said, it was more of a plan. I didn't know if it was ever going to get done for sure, but now it's done. And, you know, being over there, it's it's incredible. It's a, you know, a whole new atmosphere over there. Last year, you spent the year or the last two years you've been at Indiana, helped turn the Hoosiers around into a team that was ranked in the top 25 for the first time in, in 20 plus years and and did a lot of very special things. What was that like to be in Indiana to turn that tide and, and really get the the, the people believing in, in Hoosier football again? Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, great staff. Love the love the team over there and, uh, you know, happy for the opportunity I had over there is incredible. Working yeah. with, with Coach Allen, I know he and, and Coach Creighton are very tight. Are they very similar individuals to work with? They are. They, you know, same mindset, same attitude at, at, at work and at practice and, you know, approach it the same way. Where love is, you know, part of the program and you really feel it when you're there. L- working under Kalen DeBoer, you worked under him here at, at Eastern Michigan. Then you reunite with him at, at Indiana. What were you able to learn from him? It, it was just incredible the way he was able to put a game playing together and his confidence in how to call the game and and make sure that the you know as a as players everyone was in on the same deal and then as coaches we we worked well together it was, it was a great experience now you get the opportunity to lead your own quarterback crew and uh it's different when you're a, a ga you get a lot of input but now you're the guy having to, to make a lot of those calls how much different has it been already in just a few short weeks on the job 
It's been different, but it's been great. Uh, you know, it, it, you're able to take a group over and, and build those relationships and then have, you know, like you said, a little bit more input with it and you feel like you're, uh, you know, in charge of it. So it's been, it's been awesome. Working with this group, of course, you have some returners, but the the question mark becomes with the starter, how do you get those guys prepared to take over now knowing they don't have the safety net of Mike Glass there like they had last year? No, it's a great group of guys, and I'm excited for you know spring ball to start and see what they do on the field. And uh, I, I think we're going to be a talented group, so it's going to be fun and be able to compete in spring ball and you know get out there and, and see what they can do. What's kind of your offensive philosophy? Uh, score at least one more point in the defense. That's, that's a good one. I like that. Having uh, been recruited by Coach Creighton, uh, worked for him, and now back the second time, what has, how has your relationship changed from that first recruiting visit to now uh, being one of his confidence as an assistant coach? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's changed, but it's, it's more grown than it has changed. You know, the relationship between myself and Coach Creighton has uh, always been great, but it's, you know, looking back, I would have never thought it would have been 12 some years ago or 10 years ago that you know it really started but it's it's grown and it's getting even stronger so it's great to be back when you look back what was a good story from the that recruiting trail when we always hear coach Creighton it's either a dinner or a moment where he's singing or something what do you remember what your visit was like ah the visit I think so I was tiny and I think I was probably like 140 pounds maybe even less on the visit and instead of weighing in for uh, to see how heavy I was, I think he just picked me up to see if I was going to be heavy enough to play. And that was one that definitely stood out in terms of recruiting visits. It worked out. You threw for more than 10,000 yards while you were at Drake. They say non-scholarship football is is different, but having played at that level and then being as high as, as the Big Ten level, what, what what do you see as the biggest difference from Drake to Eastern Michigan, even to Indiana? Uh, you know, there's talent regardless of where you're at. And I think, um, you know, obviously as you get further up, there's a little bit of a more talent, but I don't think there's anything uh, best 11 versus best 11 that's, you know, a drastic difference between the Big Ten and a Mac team. It might be more depth in terms of that, but you know, our best versus their best is going to be a close game. And you saw that when Eastern played Pitt last uh, or in the last bowl game. So now you get a little break. Uh, winter workouts are concluded. Spring practice will actually get going in a few weeks. What is the biggest hope and expectation that you have going into the spring? Uh, just confidence with the offense. Make every uh, make sure everyone feels good about where we're at and what we're doing, and we're moving in the right direction. Mike, appreciate the time. Welcome back to to Ipsy, and look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thank you, as always, to all of our guests and, most importantly, you, the listeners. We couldn't do it without you, and we're so excited to be able to bring you all things Eastern straight from the source every week. As always, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcast, including this year from our own website, emueagles.com slash podcasts. Make sure you stay with us every Monday. We'll be back next week bigger and better than ever. Until then, go green, go white, and go Eastern, and have a great week. We'll see you next time.